When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to what is going to be the final edition of AMA. Today is the last one, and thank you guys all so much for sending in your questions over the time that we've been doing these. It's been amazing. We are phasing this out as a way to make room for some other content that we've got percolating that I think you guys are going to love. Um, but this last episode of AMA is brought to you by ButcherBox. And these guys have an amazing offer for you. They want to give you free ground beef for life plus $20 off your first box. I'm literally surprised if people haven't taken them up on this. This seems like a pure insanity offer to me. Uh, I eat a lot of ButcherBox and I can definitely vouch it is amazing. And they're going to include that free ground beef for the lifetime of your subscription with them, which is extraordinary. Just go to butcherbox.com and enter the discount code TOM at checkout. This is a company truly that Lisa and I have really gotten behind because we use it. It's delicious, super high quality, healthy, and most importantly, it's trustworthy. You know where the ingredients are coming from and what you eat has eaten matters. Um, again, I never thought that would be true. I never thought I would say something like that, but that actually really does matter. It's had a huge impact on Lisa. Um, so that's why we're super paranoid and use ButcherBox. And you can check out all of their options at their website at butcherbox.com. They've got 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic, and even a special breed of extra tasty pork. You're going to get your personal selections of meats delivered directly to your door with free shipping if you live in the 48 contiguous United States and their prices have just come down to six dollars a meal that's amazing if you're going to give the keto diet diet a try this is a perfect way to give that a start so highly encourage you guys to give it a shot uh, and if you want to take advantage of that free offer for ground beef for life plus twenty dollars off your first box use the discount code tom at checkout that's tom when you check out at butcherbox.com all right my friends enjoy and be a legendary all right, the first question comes from Ben M. Like you, I'm passionately driven by an entrepreneurial mindset, and I've learned a lot from you and your guests about starting a business. I'm a programmer with plenty of deep passions, one of which led to the successful sale of one of my side projects to an online travel company. It has been so much fun working for them as a side hustle, and I really want to create something new that could turn into its own company. I have the drive, mindset, and skills, but can't seem to come up with game-changing business ideas to execute on. Everything I come up with has already been done well by other companies. Any advice on how to combine knowledge and passions to find unique business ideas that appeal to more than just a niche group of people? All right, so two things. One, I think appealing to a niche group of people is exactly where you want to start. Now, if you can have an idea for how you ultimately down the road go beyond that niche group of people, that would be great. But the way that we started Quest was going hard after bodybuilders, physique competitors, people that really were going to understand the new nutrition. That way we knew that we weren't going to have to work as hard in the marketing because people were going to understand what we were putting in front of them. And the biggest problem is creating a product that is not actually meeting a need or creating a product that meets a need 
but it isn't understood by people that they actually have that need or they don't understand the way that the product meets that need, even if they do understand the need itself. So starting in a niche community that you are a part of, that's the next point, like solve um, a problem that you have, scratch your own itch. And it really does start with that. And I think rather than thinking about this next big earth shattering idea, what is something that really bothers you? Jay Samet summed this up in his episode, which, by the way, if you guys have not seen the Jay Samet episode, watch that read Disrupt You. It's a phenomenal book. It covers this very thing. And he says every day, write down 10 things that bother you. And if you do that every day. The number of ideas that you'll have in your first week alone is extraordinary. That would be 70 in week one. If you're writing down 10 things that bother you for a month, you can see how this starts to really get to be a big number. If you're doing it for a year, it's really going to be extraordinary. Now, a very small number of those are going to be actual viable businesses that are going to be something that you care enough about to pursue and to solve that problem. And then an even smaller number of those are going to be things that could be turned into a bigger business. But if you start with that niche idea, get your feet under you, build something that's really solving your own problem, um, I think that you're going to find a early level of success doing that that you're not going to find if you're really striking out to solve some grand challenge. Now, when we started Quest, it was all about creating a elevated protein bar, doing something in the protein space, protein bar space that had not been done before. Now, we had our eye towards expanding it and we knew where it could go in the future, but just like when Amazon started, it was just books and everybody thought he was crazy that building that book company was somehow going to allow him to build the other stuff. It wasn't necessarily self-evident, but he knew that he could build a good book company and he had the vision for if I'm successful at that, that I'm going to be able to roll this out to other things. But he started from a power base. He started from something that he could do. He could target. He could solve a problem. It was something that he understood. He knew how to do better. <clears throat> and so that's really where, excuse me really where you want to start. So um, those two things I would say are what you want to focus on. So rather than worrying about whether it escapes a niche, make sure you have a niche. I think far more people make the mistake of trying to go big first and they just don't know how to speak to their audience. All right, next up is anonymous. I currently work at a minimum wage fast food job. I've been here for a year and four months. It is my temporary job until I make the switch to a job in my field fresh out of university. I have this next move planned. However, it is taking longer than expected because of paperwork. At the fast food job, I find I go in every day in a good mood, and within a few hours, I am miserable because the work environment is toxic. Frustration builds to the point where I want to scream and walk out the door. However, if I do so, I ruin a good reference for future scenarios, and I put my financial situation at risk until the next job is ready, which could take some time. I'm worried about my mental health at this fast food job. Do you have any advice for handling this? Sometimes I try to... Meditate on the job, but this is difficult with the fast pace. Should I just quit this one for the sake of my mental health or stick it out? All right. So I think either path before you is incredibly powerful. So one, if you want to bail on the job, then you're going to need to cut your expenses to the quick. This is something that I think most people really suck at. Um, and until you're either living in your parents' basement with four other friends and you're charging them some small amount of rent uh, to make sure that you're actually getting paid to live in your parents' basement or something like that, you're just not being crafty enough. The example that I use, which I get is going to be a available to a limited number of people, but I used to manage apartment complexes. And the reason that I did that was I would get my rent for either free or a hundred bucks. 
I think the most I ever paid was $400, and that was for a two-bedroom apartment in a really nice neighborhood. Um, so there are all kinds of things that you can do, including just living in a hovel studio apartment where um, you have to shower at the YMCA to get your costs down to next to nothing. Now, when you're talking mental health, I would say far better to be showering in the YMCA and sleeping in your car in your parents' backyard um, or Jesus on the street somewhere than it is to in your car on the street, which yes, I admit is terrible. I just want people to understand how important your mental health is. So putting yourself in an environment that really is toxic can be damaging in ways that I, I think people really underestimate. Now, I'm not saying rush out and live in your car. I'm saying that there are a lot of options that I don't think people really think about. So the next thing is that if you're going to stay now, flip your mind and make this really powerful. I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to sleep in my car. Tom, you're an asshole. I don't know what you're talking about living on the street. That's dangerous. Whether I'm in my car or not, uh, my parents died. I have no ability to live in their garage or their basement. Um, I tried managing apartment complexes. Nobody will give me the time of day. Um, and so now I'm stuck and I really do have to stay here and you don't understand my circumstances. Okay, cool. If that really is something that you could convince me where I'd be like, yeah, man, you really should stay in that job. Awesome. Now we're going to flip our mindset. As Victor Frankl, survivor of multiple concentration camps says, when you have a big enough why, you can survive anyhow, uh, which is also a Nietzsche quote. So if you know what you're going to do while you're there. So let's say I'm stuck and I can't go anywhere and my why of just making money isn't going to get me there. Then I would switch my why over to I am here to learn how to um, influence people that don't want to be influenced, to lead people that don't want to be led. And I'm going to figure out what I need to do to just quietly make this a better place to be. And I have a fundamental belief that everybody wants to enjoy their work environment. And I also believe that work environments are really fucking hard to change, especially when management doesn't want you to. But let me tell you right now, if you show up every day and you say, I'm just going to lead by fucking example, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be the greatest employee this place has ever seen, whether it's toxic or not, whether my boss is crazy or not, I'm going to figure out how to make my boss happy. I'm going to figure out how to rise up in the ranks. And this is going to be practice dealing with a toxic environment. Because let me tell you, there are going to be times in your life where you're going to have to deal with a toxic environment. And when are you going to have practiced? So this is your perfect opportunity. Now, the biggest advantage to this strategy is that what you're really learning to do is to control your mindset. The big win here is the reframe. The big win is going from feeling like a victim who's stuck because they have financial reasons where they have to be there. They're stuck in a toxic environment. And they think there's nothing they can do. But the reality is, let me fucking tell you right now, if you drop me in the middle of that toxic environment, I may not be able to change the whole culture because changing a culture when the boss doesn't want to change is fucking difficult, but I will become a bastion of light and joy. And the people that want to understand how in the face of the madness that is around me, that I can stay even keel, that I can stay optimistic, that I can stay upbeat, because at the end of the day, the only thing that boss can do is what? Berate you? Fire you? Be cruel to you? Use psychological... Um, punishment techniques make you feel uneasy, off balance, all of that stuff pales in comparison to like some of the real horrors and atrocities that can befall you in this life. The death of a parent, the loss of a loved one, um, gut-wrenching heartbreak, you know, things that, that really will fucking knock you for six. Somebody being a dick and somebody being a dick and then threatening to fire you and you know that being fired would be really fucking problematic. 
that falls pretty low on the list of things that um, are unovercomable. So what you want to do is realize that you can't control anything but your mindset, but you can control your mindset. So if I were dropped into that scenario, I would just have a silent little game I'd be playing with myself. And I would see how many people can I win over through excellence. And part of excellence is recognizing, okay, we have a toxic environment. Okay, my boss, um, this is what really gets them excited. This is what they consider to be awesome performance. And I'm going to figure that out. Maybe I read the 48 Laws of Power by um, Robert Greene. And I'm realizing that there are Machiavellian things at play here. Cool. All right, this is my chance to practice the 48 Laws of Power. So uh, what's one of the rules? Don't outshine the master. All right, so I'm not going to outshine the master. So I'm going to be a good support mechanism. And I'm going to just fucking rock it for this person. Person, and I'm going to do things and let them take the credit for it. And I'm going to let them shine because let me tell you, this is one of those undervalued strategies when you're in a horrifying environment like this, where you can become indispensable because that person is so afraid of you leaving because they're not going to be able to leech the credit off of you. And they want to be in that situation. So they're going to keep you near and dear. Suddenly you're going to have some leverage and you're going to be able to ask for things when you want. Um, and Practicing asking for things from unreasonable people. That'll be another thing that you can practice. Pretty interesting. I feel like I could really go on and on about this. I found this actually really fucking interesting. But at the end of the day, the punchline of what I'm talking about is your frame of reference, the perspective by which you were looking at the problem is going to determine how torturous this is. As I'm sitting here describing it, I secretly want to spend a month there and see like, how much can I do? Back at Quest, a time when I was doing jobs that made my hands cramp closed in the middle of the night, I was able to come in and practice being enthusiastic even when I'm tired. Practice leaning into the hardest job and asking the team, what's the worst job? And then taking that job and doing it with enthusiasm. That is fun because you're reframing it and you're getting to a place where you turn it into practice. So just remember, all of life is but disciplined practice. So when you hate something, flip it into, what am I going to be able to practice with this? All right, that's enough on that. But a fun question. Thank you. Tamago. I worked in a marketing startup for four years before calling it quits. I got to travel and had some fun, but ultimately I felt that I didn't grow, learn much, and struggled a lot because the company did not have a vision or a shared goal. Despite discussing about it with my boss, Despite discussing with my boss about things, nothing changed, so I left last year. I'm still trying to find a permanent job, and sometimes I think if I should have just stayed and tried harder. How do you differentiate between letting go and giving up? Sometimes I wonder if I was weak and gave up by quitting. Um, so part of this is going to be identifying patterns in your life. So if you did this once and it's never been something that you've repeated before or since, then odds are that you just really identified that it wasn't worth the effort for you to stick it out because you have no history of just quitting, quitting, quitting. If you notice that this is a pattern and hey, bizarrely enough, every time that you're doing something hard for whatever reason in your life, these are impossible things to overcome. And just like in a relationship, the only thing that's consistent in all of the jobs that you take or in all the relationships that you're in is you. So it becomes very easy once we're looking at three or four different things, it's very easy to identify the problem and the problem is you. And so either you have a problem at the selection level or you have a problem with the sticking to it level. Uh, but either way, I would say starting with Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, is a very good place to start. Um, so yeah, the, it's 
really impossible to know in the moment, but the things that you want to do are to turn inward and figure out what is the cause of the emotion that you're feeling and the like real baseline cause. Is there something that's triggering an insecurity, which is probably 80% of the time that people get themselves in trouble and they're twisted about something and they're not sure whether they should be doing it or not is Part of it, they have this long-term vision, this uh, fantasy of what it could become. And then the other part is that it's triggering an insecurity. It's making them feel badly about themselves. Um, it's pretty rare that people just aren't sure if the path is leading them where they want to go. Because if you're having a great time anyway, that becomes somewhat of its own consolation. And actually, I think, allows people to clear their head pretty easily um, and say, okay, I do love it. I love being around these people. But, you know, flash forward 20 years, if I was still doing this, is this where, you know, looking back what I've said, yeah, you should stay or looking back what I say, you know, look, it's going to be difficult, but you need to venture out. And so doing that um, forward leap and projecting out and saying, you know, if this is a hierarchical organization going up a couple notches and saying, do I want that person's job? And if the answer is no, then you left for the right reasons because you don't actually want where that job ends up. If you look forward at those people and the answer is yes, fuck, I really did want their job. That would have been amazing. And if I could, could have just stuck it out, um, I'd really be enjoying my life. Then maybe you did quit too early, but just make sure that when you're imagining the future, that it is the reality. It's the reality of what that company is like, what the culture is like, what the mission is like, how that makes you feel about yourself. These are all things that you have to take into consideration when you're thinking about your job. But in terms of uh, whether giving up is the right thing or not, I would look at a pattern of behavior. Um, that's going to be the most telling. All right, next, Monica Tremelin. I have been on this journey with you to continually learn and grow through challenging my mindset and through trying to codify the learnings of great thought leaders and entrepreneurs. I use your content to do this and it has been immensely beneficial. I'm doing it for my own benefit, but I also am doing it for the benefit of my children. My husband and I instill them Carol Dweck's growth mindset method as a start, but my question to you is how would you approach teaching what I call what I would call all this meta-learning to them. I feel like I'm learning and upskilling my approaches and mindsets so much, but I want to download all of this to them. I want to give them the best start at life, and I believe that is by sharing with them the processes to help them achieve their goals and be legendary. I'd love to hear your thoughts and advice. All right, here is my best advice about raising your children. Lead by example. Let them see you struggle with a problem. Let them see you not be good at something, admit that you're not good at it, and then be excited about getting good at it. Let them hear you ask questions. Let them hear you say, whoa, I don't know anything about that. That's so interesting. Or let them hear you problem solve so that you're thinking through something and you're saying, ooh, I really value what this skill set could bring me. Let's say playing the piano. Man, I really want to play the piano. That'd be so cool. I so value that. I so admire that skill. I don't have that. And I really need to think about what I would be giving up in terms of time to become great at this thing. And it's not that I couldn't become great. It's a question of, do I want to put in the time and energy? And you know what? When it comes to piano, I don't. Or you know what? When it comes to piano, I do. And so this is going to be something that I'm going to slot into my life. I'm going to allot this amount of time for it. And I'm going to be very disciplined. And I'm going to hold myself accountable. And I'm going to make a promise. I'm going to get good enough to play Mary Had a Little Lamb, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, or Chopin, whatever it is, but that you set that goal, you stick to it, you follow through, and you let them see that journey. And you celebrate yourself in the moments where you stuck to it, you did what you said, and quite frankly, you call yourself out when you don't do it, which I will call emotional punishment. You're not going to be overly cruel to yourself because that's the last thing that you want to teach to kids. 
but you are going to hold yourself accountable. You're going to say, I said I was going to do that and I didn't do it. And I'm owning that, owning up to it. And one thing would be fucking rad. I do this. I used to do this on AMA a lot. And it just so happens that I haven't missed on things that I've cared about, but I would call myself out. Like if I didn't get up in 10 minutes or less, I would call myself out in an AMA or I would say something to the team. If I felt like I could have performed better. Uh, we have an error log here in the company where you do something, you fuck up. It's not about being punitive. It's just about owning up to it and, um, having integrity and calling yourself out. So, um, doing that, letting them see that. So when you fail, you call yourself out, you don't beat yourself into oblivion. You don't lose respect for yourself, but you say, Hey family, I want to gather you here together. I'm glad we're all together for this dinner. And I just want to say that I said that I was going to get good enough to play Mary had a little lamb and I haven't touched the piano in four months and I'm not good enough to play that yet. And I want you guys to know this is how I'm thinking about it. I'm recommitting. I do want to get good. It remains something that's important to me. Or you know what? Um, I am going to get that good because I said I was going to. But just so you know, like this is about grit. This is about tenacity. I'm going to see that through. And then I'm going to be done. I'm not enjoying this, but I am going to start what I finished. I promised myself that I would do that. And when they see that, when they see that integrity, when they see the consistency of thinking, when they see the consistency of action, like they're going to naturally begin gravitating towards that. And then if you're helping them with ideas like Carol Dweck and all that. Now, having that, that will help. Having said all of that, the way that people parent today is crazy to me and is one of the reasons that I don't have kids. Like taking your children to eight different things every day and suddenly your life is about being a chauffeur. I would just like to remind all parents listening, the coolest gift you could give to your children is to fucking love your life. If your kids see you on fire for what you do, if they see you making time for things that you're passionate about, if they see you pushing yourself and growing because you care about it, because you're excited by your life, that will make the biggest difference. And so not just becoming their servant, I think is a big deal. Having things that you care about, spending time on you. And yes, that means that there's going to be less time for them. And I think that is absolutely okay. Now, there is a minimum for sure. You want to be a rad parent. You want to be involved. You want to make sure that you're there for those big events. But I forget who told me this, but I thought this was so brilliant. Sit your kids down and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to show up for everything that you want me to. There are going to be times where I'm doing my own thing. I'm living my life, but I want to know what are the really important things to you? Is it the ballet recital? Is it karate class? Is it music? Is it, are you playing competitive video games? Like you tell me what that one or two things is that you're just like, mom, dad, I really want you there. It would mean so much to me. And then under no fucking circumstances do you miss that. I'm talking you have to cancel a business trip. You do whatever the fuck you have to do to be there for those moments. And that's going to give you the leeway to make sure that your children feel loved, but that you also get to live your life. All right. Another anonymous. I'm in need of a highly professional opinion on some work I'm doing at the moment. I feel like my career has been going in the right direction, but have this feeling that I've been being taken advantage of along with many other creatives. I've worked for both the NFL and MLB this season doing a program they started recently. They are eight hours of capturing a shit ton of content that we are to turn over to the leagues. They own everything and we get paid pretty bad. I'm thankful to be shooting for these top leagues, but at the same time, no, they're not compensating in a respectful manner. If you have a minute's talk about this, I would really, really, really love to get your POV. I've listened to Impact Theory for years now, and each episode has hit me on multiple levels. All right. 
I have not done my job. Because if you have listened to Impact Theory for as long as I'm grateful you have, then you would hopefully have internalized one message. Working for free, working for very little is usually the smartest thing you can do when you're trying to build a skill set, make connections, or build a portfolio. Now, there's going to come a season in your life where it is about cashing the fuck in and making sure that you're eking every dollar out of the opportunity that you can. But let me tell you, at the beginning, that's not the time. What I would want to do, holy fuck, let me tell you, in the film, TV, comic industry, I am prepared to work my face into oblivion to meet the right people, to get the right set of skills, to show people what I'm capable of, to build my resume, to really get it out there. I can't even begin to tell you with some of the deals that I've worked on the back end where I'm like giving away the fucking store, but I don't care because what I want is to build a reputation for myself. I want to learn. And really, I'm trying to get them basically to help me market my company. So yes, I'm creating something for them that I could get a lot more money from five years from now. But right now, I don't have the connections. And what is valuable to me is the connections, the experience, the resume piece. Like you have to know what you need to get to the next level. Everybody's trying to get the fucking dollar right now. Dollars can only be spent once unless you're really good at investing. And yes, some people are. If you're Warren Buffett, then yes, Getting that dollar is important because you're so fucking good at investing it that you can turn it into unimaginable amounts of money. But for most of us, when you make a dollar, that's it. That dollar is going to be spent on something. Dollars spend once. Skills monetize forever. Relationships monetize forever. Resume monetizes forever. Focus on those things, man. Build that shit up. I'm going to win because I'm going to go in like a fucking hustler and I'm going to take this thing over. I'm going to find out who I need to work for. I'm going to make sure I'm delivering way more value than I'm extracting because then I know that ultimately people are going to turn to me and the people that just give value, give value, give value like a fucking maniac, those are the people that people end up coming back to. That's how you build that Rolodex. That's how you get people feeling like they owe you something. And when the right people feel like they owe you something, you've got a career, not a job, not a gig. You have a career. And I just cannot stress this enough. Eat fucking top ramen. Live on someone's floor. Do whatever you have to do. Cut your expenses down to nothing and learn. Exchange your hard-ass work. Exchange your intelligence, your grit, your tenacity for things that monetize over and over. Skills, relationship, resume, portfolio. Those things can be monetized again and again and again and again. The dollar will only spend once. Zia. I'm working to develop my own app and went to a patent attorney to acquire about the legalities regarding patents and copyrights. The original idea was formed <clears throat> in a group at university and the others have since dropped out of working on the idea. She recommended that I draft my own paperwork and get them to sign over their rights to me. 
Uh, patent the brand name and any branding material and generally protect my intellectual property as much as possible. The development is in its very early stages and I'm trying to evaluate the cost and benefits of taking her advice versus putting my time and energy into developing the app, taking action to grow it first rather than spending the time, energy and finding, which I don't have a lot of, protecting something that may not even work. How did you go about building your companies and growing it from scratch? Was intellectual property ever a consideration? Okay. I want to preface this by saying the advice I'm about to give you is fucking risky. <clears throat> so consult your physician before attempting any dietary program. Uh, I, Whatever the business equivalent of that is, talk to your attorneys before um, taking this advice. It would be a very wise move. And I think every attorney is going to disagree with what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. I believe <clears throat> that you want to get something moving fast. I believe that you want your agreements very short, very brief. I've done things. I've done things that have cost hundreds of thousands of dollars on a fucking handshake and some conversations. The reason that I do that is momentum matters. I'm all about creating momentum. And as I've told my team here, I hope to one day have created something so big that my former partners are suing me. Fine. So be it. If I'm fortunate enough to have created that in my life, I'll be very happy. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm flipping about things, but it does mean that I prioritize moving fast, having agreements, letters of intent, things that are very simple. One page, two pages, three pages, most. And on the back of that, <clears throat> I would do some big fucking deals. Now, part of this is coming down to recognizing a few things. One, are you good at judging people? Two, you don't divorce the same person that you marry. So brace your fucking selves for how people will come after you if there's something to fight about. And so my thing is I would rather be fighting over something and having created something than to waste all of my time up front going to patent attorneys, ah, all that stuff. Now, if I were in your situation, though, I might try something a little more deft and I would go to my former partners and I would say, hey, I'm about to make something of this. I'm going to invest money. I'd love to still have you involved. Here's much how much money I'm going to be investing on patents and building this out. And um, here's what I think my time is valued at. And so there's this many dollars that I'm putting in. So I think it's going to take me this many hours, all that stuff. And I would say, hey, since you were a part of this in the beginning, you now have two options. You can either sign over those rights to me for some uh, remuneration, whatever you think is reasonable on that, or um, put in some of your own money, like come and join me for this and give them the opportunity because if they feel like they have a choice and you're not just saying, hey, I'm just trying to cover my ass here. If they see that you're just trying to cover your ass, then the human instinct is going to kick in and they're going to be making sure that they leave their options open. They're going to, oh, let me run this by an attorney. I don't know. I need to think about this. And all of a sudden, the thing that they'd completely written off in their mind now seems like it might actually be real. So, but if you give them a choice and they can join back in, then it's like, ah, do I really want to join back in? Now you're in a much stronger position to be able to negotiate should this become a problem. <clears throat> you can say, look, here was a deal that I put forth. It was a very reasonable deal. They did not take it. They also refused to sign the rights over. I sent this certified letter saying that if you don't you know, act, make one of these choices by this date, then I'm going to move forward in this way. Um, then, then at least there's some potential downside protection that's not going to take a lot of time and energy. Um, so what I would be doing is like you're intimating, I would be focused on finding out if there's something really there. I'd be focused on creating momentum and I would not be spending a lot of time in legalities. But I will warn you that some percentage of acting like that is going to come back and bite you in the ass. But now almost 20 years into my business career, 
that option is still so much more powerful than never getting anything done because you're bogging everyone down in contracts. Danielle. I'm starting my YouTube channel and I know I have a lot to share. However, when I record my videos, I feel super awkward in front of the camera. <clears throat> how do you always, have you always felt comfortable in front of the camera? If not, how have you mastered that? Did you take any specific course? Okay, so no, I still don't feel that comfortable in front of the camera. Much more comfortable than I used to. That is for sure. I did not take any classes. I just did it a whole fucking bunch. And I kept putting myself in deeply uncomfortable situations, learning to meditate. Even to this day, man, I'll just let you guys in on a secret. You ready? If you're watching YouTube very closely, you will notice a small smile at the edge of my lips while I'm doing the intros to Impact Theory. Why? because that's me fighting my anxiety. And I find it so amusing that all these years later, I still have anxiety when I start those fucking intros. So my thing is I've learned to focus on that I find it funny. And by focusing on that, I find it funny that even all these years later, I still get a bit of anxiety when I'm kicking off the episode that it makes me smile a little bit to myself. And the irony is because I focused on that it's funny and I put all of my time and energy into obsessing over how funny I find it, that I actually feel it lighten my mood. So the weird thing is the anxiety itself becomes a habit loop trigger to smile, which then loosens lessens my anxiety and makes me feel better. So the anxiety itself triggers this cascade where I feel more relaxed. So as I get anxious, I find myself sliding rapidly deeper and deeper into relaxation. It's super fucking weird and it took me a long time to do that, but that's why I have that little smile. And that is how I've gotten through to the other side is just doing it over and 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 over. And I still don't enjoy watching myself. So there you have it. All right, anonymous. Hey, Tom, I am incredibly good at getting eight to nine hours of sleep at night because I know how important it is to my health. However, I will be going through military training in a few months where I will be basically sleep deprived while working out relentlessly and eating minimal food. I know you have plenty of tips on how to improve your sleep, but do you have any advice on how to prepare for the sleep deprivation I will be encountering? Thanks. Okay. Unfortunately, at some point, the sleep deprivation is going to be entirely mental. Um, I would watch anything and everything that you can find by David Goggins. He is the ultimate master of dealing with mental um, torture, we'll say. Um, so... Yeah, it get as much sleep as you can going into it, but that's only going to last for, you know, a day, maybe two of sleep uh, deprivation before that all wears away to shit. Um, I would who there are certain meditative techniques where people swear it makes you feel more energized. I cannot vouch for that, but I would certainly look into it. Um, I would keep your diet as clean as you can, but depending on what kind of training you're doing, uh, there may also be caloric restriction involved, in which case feed your fucking face. Uh, it is better to get the calories in than to worry about the perfection of the calories. Um, so yeah, I, I think the reality of all of this is you're going to have to have a why that is so strong that it's going to carry you through the pain and suffering. You must find that why. You must obsess about it. You must think about it. You must make it like a glowing ball of nuclear fusion. I think that's what's happening in the sun, in the sky. And let that be your reason for existing during this period of torture. And if that why is strong enough, you're going to make it. And as Goggin said in his book, Can't Hurt Me, during that kind of insane exertion, suffering, you will turn inward 
and you will ask yourself one simple question. Why the fuck am I doing this to myself? And if the answer you give yourself at that moment isn't deeply compelling to you, you will quit. So if you don't want to quit, you need to have just blinding reason for why you're doing it. All right. And why I'm doing all of this, why I've been doing these AMAs is because I'm eternally grateful to have an opportunity to give people information that I think will empower them, allow them to improve themselves, allow them to accomplish the extraordinary. I am grateful for every person that has ever submitted a question. Thank you guys so much. Again, we're only ending this show so we can make room for some new content that'll be coming. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled. Stay close. We're experimenting. We're pushing ourselves. We're trying to do some radical shit to expand our reach, to expand our impact, to do amazing stuff for you guys. Um, So yeah, keep your eyes peeled. We'll have a new way for you guys to ask questions in the future. Don't worry about that. And um, thank you for everything. And yeah, keep uh, keep doing all the normal stuff. We've got uh, Impact Theory is still rocking. We've got a new show that we're going to be debuting soon called Conversations with Tom Bilyeu. That's at least uh, the code name. I'm super excited to unleash that show. I'm really excited about where that's headed. And yeah, if you haven't already, issue two of the comic is out on Wednesday, which is the day this episode drops. So go get it. It's dope. It's called Neon Future. Issue two is out. Go to your local comic shop. Put it on your pull list. Grab a copy. I'm super proud of this book. We've worked our asses off for this thing. So check it out. All right, guys. If you're not already following me at at Tom Bilyeu on Instagram, get after it. All right. Until next time, my friends. Be legendary.